You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. to everybody that's here in the room and those of you that are online this morning just love you so very much it's been good to have our other speakers wow mia kicked it off in january and then frank and karen ryan and Britt. they did an amazing job um andrew or aaron said to me a number of times this morning dad it's been a long time since you've preached and uh he said it like three or four times and And uh, I was waiting. If it had been one of his older brothers, they would have said something along the lines of, so uh, what have you been, have you been working at all in the last month? And and, uh, part of the work is to get uh, our leadership team uh, up and ready. And I want to tell you, as you've already kind of experienced it, the church is in great hands. My goodness me. Uh, We've got some great leaders, great speakers, great everything that God has in the queue. And I'm just so thrilled thrilled about that. And that is part of the work that I need to do as well, is to get the church ready for the days uh, that are ahead. Um, And uh, I'm just coming into my stride, so that doesn't mean I'm going anywhere. It just means we need uh, to put uh, a full generational compliment in our leadership team, and I'm just appreciative that we have that. You just saw Alarazar and Atar. Uh, they're watching this morning uh, from Turkey. They're on their way as soon as the we're, we're several phases in now. Uh, so it's really uh, kind of a done deal. It's just the timing now to get them here. You're going to love this couple. Some of you have met them in small group virtually, and uh, we're just excited about what they're going to bring the harvest. As you can see, they're already uh, down the road in terms of God gifting and gracing them uh, as many people are coming to know Jesus. The fastest growing segment of Christianity right now is in Iran amongst Muslims that are finding Jesus. And it's an exciting day to be alive. My goodness. <laughs> I want to get right to the Word this morning. Uh, and I'm going to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Philippian church. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Harvest this morning. Uh, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Uh, The sense of excitement that's in this room, Father, I pray that it will translate and go through the cameras and into the living rooms and homes and iPhones and devices as people are watching, those that will watch it on playback later this week. Lord, you're speaking to us. You're encouraging us. You're about a great work. Even when we don't see it, you're working. You have been, you are, and you will continue to work building a great church, Lord, in this region. Uh, Lord, that you want to see so many more, as Frankie just uh, challenged us about Paul and Silas. What about the jail keepers? What about the people who don't know you yet? Father, we thank you that you're touching lives. Some of them are our sons and our daughters, our loved ones. Lord, today, encourage us with what you have in the word, that you're a God who supplies. I pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, this same God who takes care of me will supply, will supply. He will supply. Somebody say will. 
I want to preach this morning. Come on, it's been a while. I feel, I feel a little bit like a soda bottle all kind of shook up a little bit, and that will come out of my preaching this morning. Coming into the parking lot, seeing the parking lot attendants. Thank you, parking lot attendants, this morning. Seeing the parking lot attendants. It felt like the first Sunday when we were at uh, Emmanuel Church here, uh, first Sunday that we planted, and I wasn't sure anybody was going to show up. <laughs> it was our first advertised Sunday, and people came walking up the sidewalk like you did this morning. I had a little deja vu, a little excitement. So much God has done in these years and so much he's going to do. This morning, you need to know that he will. He will. It's a done deal. He will supply your needs. He's going to do it. It's not a maybe. It's not a might. It's not a hope so. He will. Somebody shout out will again. Come on. He will supply. This word supply is a, an amazing word. It doesn't mean he gives you a little bit. doesn't mean he gives you just enough. Uh, we don't have a vow of poverty here at Harvest. We believe in the generous God who pours out generously to the people that he loves, his children. God is a generous God. He doesn't give you just enough. He doesn't give you a few crumbs to get by. He will supply. This word supply means that there is no more room for any more after God gives it to you. When God pours in the provision, there's nothing left in terms of lack or want in your life. You are full. It's a good measure. It's pressed down. It's shaken together, the Bible says. He will supply. He'll supply your needs. Now, this morning, this is where I want you to really make this connection. Sometimes we're kind of in this false humility that, you know, it's not what I want, it's what I need. We're just coming out of a series on retrofit your prayer life, and even though this is a one-off and we're getting ready for a new series as we lead up to Easter, I really felt to encourage you in your expectation of your prayer life as God has retrofitted it. We've heard so many great words, very practical words on how to pray, and we're doing that in our small groups. But God will supply your needs. What are you lacking today? What do you need in your life today? I need to tell you this morning that he wants to supply healing today into a body that's sick. In fact, during worship, I felt like there's somebody online or perhaps here in the room that you've been fighting uh, like a migraine, uh, very like a, a severe headache, chronic. It starts in the front. It moves around. It's just terrible. You can't focus properly. Uh, you've been, it feels like it's been for some time. I feel like today's your day for healing. God wants to heal you today. Somebody else with an abdominal issue that God wants to uh, take care of this morning, IBS, somebody suffering from IBS, and God wants to heal that today. I don't know if you're online or if you're here in the room, but just receive that today. He wants to supply peace to somebody today. He wants to supply finances to somebody today. He wants to supply clarity of mind to somebody that's had difficulty either with mental illness or just fogginess of mind, and it's been difficult for you in these days. He wants to supply a strategy to a family today that's trying to get some order, trying to get some peace in your family today. God wants to supply a supernatural strategy today to you. Whatever you lack, God wants to supply. I'm calling this this morning, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What are we waiting for? He's a God who's supplying uh, his, uh, all of our needs. I was out on the snowmobile trails yesterday and uh, enjoying the afternoon. 
My wife will tell you I got lost. The GPS told me where I was the whole time. I was not lost, although I wasn't sure where I was. But I was not lost. But I, as I was on those trails, uh, beautiful trails that are, um, the, the, the land is, is loaned by farmers and, and uh, landowners for snowmobilers to travel on. And the, uh, the trails are very narrow, and they get narrower uh, in certain spots, and, and there are trees, and there are streams, and, 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 and there was uh, all kinds of um, just the trail, but a lot of things you could get into trouble with if you were trying to get too close to the edge of the trail. You need to stay in the middle. Say middle. Our understanding of the Scriptures is much the same way. And God wants us on our journey with Him to understand what the Scriptures have said. And there's really a wise place in the middle. Scripture interprets Scripture. Now, some people love to beat out on the edge. They'll emphasize a certain part of the Scriptures without kind of getting into the middle. You can get into, the tr- you can get into trouble if you're out kind of on one edge or the other edge, like a road that has ditches. We want to stay in the middle. This morning I want to bring some tension, keep us in the middle of the road as we're talking about prayer. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. Uh, They'll walk and not faint. I'm asking this morning, what are you waiting for? There's a very, very important principle in the Scriptures that we call the sovereignty of God, that God knows all. God is God. We are not. God has the final say. And we recognize and we honor the understanding of who God is and his sovereignty, his control, that he's over all. But as we come into relationship with God as Christ followers, there's a tension in which our free will, our I want to, our interaction with God, that God has space in our relationship that he allows us to exercise our will and to ask to come to him and to ask, and we call it prayer, and we've been studying retrofit your prayer life, and that there is a teaching that as we come in prayer, as we wait on the Lord, there's a process There's a process in life. Our children grow. They don't become adults overnight. They grow. They go through stages and phases, and our relationship with the Lord is like that, and Even our coming before the Lord and maybe praying for that family strategy that I said a moment ago that some of you are believing God for and God's going to supply. And at times, there's a process, a process, a process to the answer to that prayer or the, the pouring out of God's grace into that area of our life, and there's a process. And I understand that, and I preach process. But I also believe that we... If we only have that side, then we'll be coming before the Lord and living in the process and never getting to the finish line. We'll live in the process, in the wait, and never have what God's wanting to give you right now. We are kind of holding back and saying, God is sovereign. I don't have my answer to prayer yet, and, but I'm waiting on the Lord. And I'm asking this morning, what are you really waiting for? And you'll understand this more as we look at the Scripture this morning. And bring some tension and keep us in the middle. There's a now aspect 
There is a now aspect to our walk with the Lord that he wants to give to you now. He doesn't want to just give to you tomorrow or give to you in the future. He wants to give to you now. And although there is process and we honor that, I think we sometimes get so stuck in the principle of process, we never receive the supply that God has for us. I want you to receive supply this morning. I want you to receive what God has for you this morning. So let's get into the middle of this journey, and let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to spend the rest of our time this morning there. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Uh, we then, and this is Paul talking to another church in Corinth. He's talking to us this morning. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament uh, after the Gospels. As workers together with him. So this is the apostolic team that's working in, in Corinth. So we then, Paul, his team, working together with capital H, him, Jesus, also plead with you. Very strong. We're pleading with you. We're saying it very loudly. If we could turn up the volume, we would turn up the volume. Do not receive the grace of God in vain. And he puts a period there, and he says, and he quotes Isaiah 49, and he said, here's why. Here's why I don't want you to receive grace in vain. Here's why. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you. In the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now, somebody say now. <laughs> now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And as Paul is quoting Isaiah 40, 49, the promise of the Old Testament was that a Messiah would come. Now, We've rehearsed this a few times, but just for our memory's sake this morning and understand history, the Jews thought that their Messiah was a political figure that was going to come and tear down all of the societal uh, blockages of God's kingdom coming, and the Messiah was more a warrior king this, the, uh, according to what they were reading in the Old Testament. But what they didn't know was Isaiah 53 talked about Messiah first coming as a suffering servant. Messiah first coming to die. And they missed that peace. And today, Orthodox Jews are still waiting for a political Messiah because uh, they've missed the first coming of, of their Messiah, Jesus. And so he's talking about the promise of God coming to earth, God coming to alleviate pain, God coming to alleviate suffering, God coming to be with his people, God coming to pour out his love and pour out his life into the people upon the earth. And he said, when, the idea was when Jesus comes, the fulfillment has come. When Jesus comes, the fulfillment comes. Paul's reminding a church, hey, Jesus has come. Hey, you don't have to wait any longer. It's not like we're waiting for something to take place. Jesus went to the cross. He said it is finished. There's a receipt that we hold today that says he has purchased all of my salvation. He's purchased sickness for health, health for sickness. He's purchased my lack so that I can have fullness. He's purchased it. It's already done. Now is the time of salvation. There is not a waiting period that somehow tomorrow will be a better day to receive or next week might be a better day to receive or God might like me a little bit more in another time. Paul is saying, no, now is the time 
of salvation. Now is the time of his supply. The day of salvation is not the day you got saved. (laughs) Many quote this, and we'll use it this way today, for somebody who maybe hasn't made the decision to be a Christ follower and to step into eternal life. Now is a great day to be saved in that sense, to have uh, your relationship with Jesus begin. But this scripture is not limited to, nor is it talking about the day you got saved. It's talking about the acceptable day. It's talking about the day of grace. It's talking about the day that the veil in the temple was ripped from top to bottom, that there was open access into the presence of God. No longer did sin stand in the way of us having a relationship with the Lord. That Jesus went to the cross because what the law couldn't do was save us. The law tells us and told us we were sinners apart from God, but could not save us. That's why we don't serve the law. We come into the season and the acceptable day, the acceptable day, the day of grace, the day when he pours it out freely, when he just says to the world, here it is, my only begotten son purchased it. We are in the day of grace. We are in the day of salvation. We're not in a day of judgment, as some would suggest. We are in the day of grace, of God's love being poured out. We are living in a time when God's supply for our lives. Understand this this morning. Anything that you lack, he can supply is part of your salvation. It's in that word. You cannot look at that word. See, so we'll look at this in a second, but some will teach you that the most important thing about salvation is your ticket to heaven. And I want to suggest that that is a ditch teaching that keeps people from having the fullness of what God wants in the middle of this journey, in the middle of this road that God has for you and has for me today. Yes, I am going to heaven when I die, but I don't know about you, but I plan on living and breathing a lot of breaths before I die. I'm not waiting for heaven to get a hold of the abundant life, to get a hold of the salvation life that God gives you and me, to get a hold of what grace is being poured out for you and I today. It is for now. What are we waiting for? (laughs) Now's that time. What are we waiting for? Well, let's look at this scripture and understand because if we're honest today, there's a disconnect between what I'm suggesting, the fullness of God's uh, supply into our lives, and our actual experience. And many of us feel like we are empty-handed and that we're not the recipients of some of what I'm talking about today. We understand that we are in relationship with the Lord, that we are going to heaven. We celebrate our sins being forgiven. But in the day-to-day relationship with the Lord, that poured out grace that I'm talking about, there's a disconnect. Well, Paul says, I want to plead with you to understand how to get connected. I want to connect you to the source. We then, as workers together with him, plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The reason... He was reminding them that salvation is now was because somehow they had got disconnected and they were receiving that grace that God has for us in vain. Now, let me explain what that means because we want to understand that because I don't want to receive grace in vain. I don't want you receiving grace in vain. And what does that mean? It means to receive something and have after, after it's given to you, you have empty hands. 
Not because you rejected it. Not because you didn't want it. Not because you had a bad day and broke one of the, one of the laws of God. Oh, oh, my goodness, I must be rejecting God and rejecting grace. No, your hands are empty. There's a disconnect. You're saying the grace is not there. You've, it's being poured out, but there's an acknowledgement, I want this, I need this, but I don't have this. It also means to receive grace in vain also means that God has an intended purpose for that grace that he's sending you today. He has an intended purpose. He's filling something in your life. He's turning lack into supply. He's turning sickness into healing. He's turning relational issues around and bringing order to them. But the intended purpose of God is not happening in our lives. Paul is saying if we receive grace in vain, then we will have a disconnect, we will have empty hands, and God's intended purpose won't take place. Let's look this morning at four things of how you and I, me, receive grace in vain. All right? You don't want to receive grace in vain, right? You got that part so far? Right? You're watching online? You don't want to receive grace in vain. You want, you want to receive grace. How many want to receive grace right now? <laughs> How many want more, more than you're getting right? Yeah, come on. So here we go. So we need to understand and get rid of this disconnect. I want to point out some ways we receive grace, the way I receive grace in vain. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Doctrinally, it simply means 2,020 years ago when Jesus was on the cross, I wasn't there. But in faith, when I accept that he died for me in my place, I should have died. I deserved death because of my sin. I went with him in that sense. He did it for me. Nevertheless, I'm not dead. I'm breathing air today. I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, spiritual life. The life which I now live here in my human body, this life that I'm living in my human body, I live by faith of the Son of God, watch this now, who loved me. It's not past tense. He's still loving you. But he's marking that point where we realized it, that he so loved me to do this for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying, I have faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That Messiah that was coming, the one who took us out from under the law and put us into grace. Now watch this. He's saying, I trust, I'm going to paraphrase. Paul says, I trust the loving, giving God. I trust the loving, giving God. No, you're not getting this. <laughs> Paul says, I trust. I want to tell you who I trust. I trust not just God. I trust the loving, giving God. That's where his trust was, knowing that God was loving and knowing that God was giving and that the life, the spiritual life flows into me when I understand that I'm trusting a God who is loving and a God that is giving. Say loving. Say giving. All right. Watch how the verse goes on now. He's trusting the loving, giving God. I do not frustrate the grace of God. He's not frustrating or stopping the grace of God. Why? Because he's trusting the loving, giving God. 
For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. We're talking about frustrating grace. Number one this morning, how do you receive grace in vain? We frustrate the grace of God by trying to buy it. We frustrate the grace of God by trying to buy it. You say, well, Pastor, how am I trying to buy grace? Well, let me, let me explain. I'm glad you asked that question. When we serve God and we're trying to keep, actually try to keep the law, we serve God not by understanding that the law could not save me or make me right. We try to get God on our side by pleasing God with our spiritual works. You've been maybe even taught that if you come to God with your stuff together, he'll do something for you. I've heard preaching that if you just have, if you can get faith right, if you can get faith right, if you could just get your faith right, God will give you something. A few weeks ago I preached a whole sermon on that, that faith is not works. But people, there are people who treat faith like works. And they're working at their faith, trying to get something from God. They're trying to buy something from God. God won't let you buy grace. It's not for sale. <laughs> it, it was paid for at the most incredible price of the universe, at the life of Jesus. If he allows us to buy it, he's minimizing the price of what grace costs. People say, well, you're talking about grace like it's free. It is. You can't buy it. I've heard teachings not only get your faith right, but get your life right, get your Bible scriptures right. I'm a little older than probably the average in the room. That's happening now. And uh, I'm okay with that. But I just can't laugh at the office. I, I can't. My kids try to get me to watch it, and it's just my brain, it's just there, there's receptor issues. Everybody's laughing. The laugh track is playing. I know it's funny, but I, it's not funny to me. But if you put on a Seinfeld episode, I'm going to gut myself laughing. <laughs> so there, I got some woohoos. I got some Seinfeld people in the room. Do you remember the episode of the Soup Nazi? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of New York hears about the best soup that's available in New York City. And you line up with your bowl. And you have to stand perfectly with your bowl. Because the soup Nazi, though he's got the best soup, and he kind of wants to give you soup, uh, you've got to ask for it in a certain way, receive it in a certain way. Otherwise, you don't get soup. And so George comes through and gets it wrong, and the soup Nazi, no soup for you. And George has got to leave without soup. And I think some Christ followers think God is the grace Nazi. <laughs> and we come with our little open hands. Remember, we're talking about don't receive grace in vain. We come with our open hands hoping that we got it right, hoping we did it right, hoping we've got, you know, I can say right about 100 more times. But Paul said if being right was the condition, by the way, that's the same as righteous, being right, getting it right, righteous. If righteous meant I could get it right or do it right, and that was the condition, why did Jesus die? Why aren't we all just trying to continue doing it the way it was before Jesus died? Paul is saying you can't do it that way anymore. I need to tell somebody in the room, somebody online, he will supply. It's being poured out all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Bring your bowl. Just put it underneath. You don't have to wait for permission. You don't have to even ask. He said, I know what you have need of even before you ask me. We're serving a loving, giving God that's pouring out grace. And all you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is receive it. But if you're trying to buy it, 
It's not for sale. God won't sell you grace. You have to just receive it. You can't earn it. Number two this morning, we don't understand how much God cares for us. And that frustrates grace. That causes us to receive grace in vain. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is doing a biology lesson with the disciples. <laughs> and uh, if you read it, it's really fascinating because he's talking about the birds and the flowers and the ecosystem and how the ecosystem is so delicately balanced. And God cares about all that. matters to God. Guys, it matters. The flowers matter. The grass matters to God. And then he segues and he says, the God that displays the universe in such beauty, how much more does he care for you? How much more does he care for you? The flowers, well, they get cut down in the fall, and we, hey, Gray, we, we cut down our hosta plants, and we get them all, you know, ready for winter, and, and, uh, and we cut it all up, and we put it in the compost pile. And Jesus said, God actually cares about what went in the compost pile because he put a lot of energy into those flowers. There's life in those flowers that he gave the seed to grow. But he says, and he says how much more? Say how much more. How much more? If God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. And then he asks the question, why do you have so little faith? Jesus isn't scolding them. Jesus isn't angry at them, nor is he angry at us. He's asking a question. And in the question, there's a key for you and I this morning. The question is, if you truly understood how much I care, your faith would automatically increase. Faith isn't about mind over matter. Faith isn't trying to somehow, you know, get our mantras right and say it right and do it right. Faith is directly proportionate to how much you understand that God cares. Pastor, how do I find out how much God cares? Get into the Scripture and read the God who supplies need after need, a widow's need, a leper's need, a, a, a blind person. Just begin to immerse yourself. How much does this God care? This God cares because the world has told you that God doesn't care because they've never met him. They don't understand. But if anyone should understand how much he cares... As Jesus was sitting with his disciples, showing them the biology lesson, he said, if you understood how much he truly cares, your faith would go from little to great. What's the key to faith? Understanding how much he cares. What can stand in the way of you receiving grace today? Not understanding how much he cares. Number three, we place God's supply in the future. Ultimately, yes, everything will be supplied in heaven. Yes, I, I, I believe that. I know that. But this idea that the washing of our sins is the most important part of our salvation, and people will preach that, and maybe you've heard that, and maybe this morning you're stuck there. I want to unstick you. Because when you became a Christ follower, yes, my sins are forgiven, I'm on my way to heaven, but you have a lot of life yet to live. And I don't know about you, but miserable Christians that are gritting their teeth and waiting to die because then I get to go to heaven and get the good stuff, Man, they can have that. I don't want any of that. There's enough religiosity in this world of people gritting their teeth, waiting to die as Christians because that's where the good stuff is in heaven. I can't wait to get with Jesus. Are you kidding me right now? Have you met those people? Are you sitting beside one of those people right now? 
You've met them, right? They're angry. They yell and scream at people and tell them about hell and tell them how much God hates them. And I heard, I heard with my own ears a preacher on, the, on YouTube this week who said he, he cursed people. He cursed them with the spirit of shame and guilt. And then he said, and in, he said, in the name of Jesus, I curse you with the spirit of shame and guilt. I thought, dude, someone needs to kill you so you can go to heaven and find out you're wrong. Someone just needs to take your life right now. That lie from the pit of hell. I have a lot of life to live. How about you? And God doesn't want me living my life waiting for, what are you waiting for? That's my question this morning. Now is a day of grace. Now is a day of supply. Now is a time to look to a caring, giving, loving God that I'm in relationship with today that wants to meet all of my needs and pour in where I have lack. I don't need to pay my bills in heaven. I don't need to get uh, healed in heaven. I don't need my marriage fixed in heaven. The Bible says there won't even be marriage. I won't even care then. I need it now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of his outpouring of his grace. But if you live with a belief system that's keeping you small in God because you're shoving it all into the future, well, one day we'll ultimately be healed. I need it now. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Somebody yell out now. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I love playing with that. I know it's not like faith in the now. But it sounds that way when we read it. It's a great, it's a great, great reminder that as we know how much he cares for us, our faith begins to grow. It's now, now faith. We can frustrate his grace by trying to buy it. We can receive grace in vain by not understanding how much he cares for us. Or we can shove all the provision into the future and not receive it today. Number four in our last one, Christine, if you could join me and the team could come back. This morning, if you're here and you're living in the regrets of your past, you are receiving grace in vain. Remember, receiving grace in vain is not rejecting grace. If you've read it that way or seen it that way, I just I want to correct that today. That's not what the scripture is teaching. It's receiving, but it's receiving in a way that I'm empty-handed, and the work of God's not accomplishing. I'm not. Re- I want this. Paul used a great word. I will not frustrate grace. People that are living in the regrets of the past. You know, if you've ever met somebody who has served time, if you've ever met somebody who's served time, come out of jail or come out of prison and trying to get back into society, you know how difficult it is for them to make that transition because they have a record. Say record. They have a record. That dream job they always wanted is just out of reach. They've got a record. That relationship that they were hoping for, it's gone now. They, they've got a record. The promotion at the job, even if you get a job, that's never coming because you've got a record. I've met Christ followers just like this. Pastor, if you knew what I was like back before I met Jesus, if you knew everything I had done, you, you, you would know. I've got a record. There's a judge in your head that tells you you're disqualified from getting more from God because... Because what you did back there is so bad. It's so awful. Maybe there are people reminding you. Maybe, maybe there was an illicit affair in your life. 
that you perp- perpetrated. Or, or maybe, I mean, I could list stuff today. And I, I, I want to hesitate. I don't need to do that. You know, some of you that live in the regrets of your past. And I believe that you've listened to the lie that you're disqualified from a terrific and fantastic future. But you're living, you're living with something you've done, even though you know you're forgiven. You haven't forgiven yourself or you haven't let go. And you have regrets. You've got to get this this morning. Grace doesn't go backwards into the past. You can't take grace as now. Say now. Oh, Jesus, I wish I had more time. And I'm going to say this. I just believe the Holy Spirit will deliver this into somebody's heart today, sweetheart. Some of you are living in the regret of what you did. Maybe you've got a family reminding you every day. And you've bought into the lie. You've bought into the lie that I'm, I'm less than. I'm, I'm saved. I'm saved. But because of those regrets, today I'm inviting you, bring your regrets into today. today. Bring the regrets right now, today. And walk through the portal of grace that says, listen to me now. You don't have a record. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Christina and I have seen over the years the most horrendous of things that happened in life. A person becomes a Christ follower. And the record, they truly understand that that record is gone. They truly forgive themselves. They truly receive grace. They truly understand. And then they believe God to rewrite their future based on the grace that they received today. What they're receiving today. And they go into a preferred future, trusting God for what will happen with that family situation. Maybe that marriage that ended in divorce and kids that aren't talking to you today. I don't know what your situation is, but I know this. If you live in yesterday, you don't have today's grace. You can't access it today. You can't get a hold of it today because you're stuck with the record that you believe you're tied to. But God is saying today, now is the accepted time. Step through the portal of grace. Let God turn it around for you. Let God take that horrible thing and redeem it and make something beautiful out of it. Stop saying, stop saying, somebody, I'm hearing somebody say, I wish I'd gotten saved when I was a kid. When I was little, I have regret. I got saved too late in life. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's never too late to get saved. And begin your new life in Jesus without regrets of the past. Bring the past through the portal today. One more thing I want to say. Christina, you're going to pray for some people that are desperately waiting for this. What we're talking about today, what God is giving us. What are we waiting for today? God will supply all your needs from His glorious riches. But just before she does, I just want to ask if you're online or in the room this morning and you've never begun your life with Jesus. You didn't know you could have a relationship with God the way we're talking about today. You can It's simply as making a decision not to go your way in life, but to begin to go God's way in life and receive the loving, caring God into your life. His name is Jesus. He wants to forgive you and put you on a path, on a new journey. If you're here today and you'd love to receive Jesus today, you've never received him before, or maybe it's been a long time since you felt connected that way, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer. If you're online today, 
I want you to do this. I want you to pray this very simple prayer with me. We'll, we'll, we'll pray it in unison, all of us here in the room today, to help you as you pray it for the first time. I would just like to know if you're here, you'd say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want to be a part of the prayer. Would you just raise your hand right now in the room so I can see it? Thank you. Anyone else today, just say, I want to, I want to do this today. If you're online, just say, uh, I'm raising my hand. Or put the, the, put the hand emoji up. Let's pray this prayer together as we celebrate people that are going to receive grace today for the very first time and from now for all eternity. What a wonderful thing. Let's do this. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you. That you love me. That you, that you care me. about me. That you care about me. Forgive my sins. Forgive my come sins. Come into my life. Come into my life. I look forward, I look to, forward my to my journey with you. Amen. I believe if you prayed a simple prayer like that from your heart, you are born again. Jesus is in your life. He's begun the journey with you. Oh, we got some prayer requests. We got some prayer requests. Um, you know, there are people believing this morning. What are you believing for? What are you waiting for? It is amazing <laughs> to have you all in the building. You're all beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I wish so I could good. hug each one of you. Um, you know, be- They're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they are. You guys look fantastic this morning. Um, Tammy is, is, she's stressed right now. She's going back to work. And, you know, I get it. A lot of people are returning back to work the after unknown. being isolated. Yep. Yeah, it's the unknown so, of what so it looks like. Unknown. And there's so much pressing. So we're going to pray for Tammy this morning. And Graham, he wants opportunities to speak over people. Come on. If there's someone that can do it, it's Graham Wilson. Come on. He is ready to go. He's on fire. We have Cher for her friend Shannon, who's battling cancer. Judy, sister for Nod, who's continued remission from cancer. And there's a name that I don't even want to try to pronounce. But their son Neither. is having brain surgery tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And, and Darlene Jalbert's daughter, I got that. Stephanie. I saw Darlene Jalbert. Yep. The baby was a born preemie. this morning. Yeah, a preemie baby. One yeah. and a half pounds. Very yeah. premature. We need to pray. Let's pray to life and yeah. sustain life. I said that, that baby's baby trying right to breathe. You know, it's, it's something about being born and wanting fresh breath that baby is trying to pray on its own and then there was a prayer request i saw that came through online and it was wanting to go into labor on your own without having to have an induction so you know we have a baby that has come in and and we've got a baby that we want to come out (laughs) but jesus knows that this morning and he sees it and you know life i just see this thing of life and new life in the room here stand with us christina's gonna pray let's believe father we're praying for life this morning God, regardless whether it's life, healing life, Father, birth of life, a life that's come into this world, a life that's going under for surgery, God, you see it all. God, we're praying new life this morning, God. Breathe into these circumstances. Breathe into these situations. Breathe into these lives, God. You've got it, God, and we're praying for life. I just see life this morning. Life in you, Jesus. Just new life, Uh God. New life being born today, God. People that are saying, I want to walk into this next situation. I want to walk into this new destiny. God, you've got them. God, and I'm just praying new life over whatever situation, whatever they're battling, whatever their situation. God, you can step in. God, marriages. Father, relationships. Yes, Lord. Father, situations, financial situations. Yes, Lord. God, just... I just bring new breath into it today. Yes, Lord. People will say, wow, that was a miracle. I didn't see that coming. Where'd that come from? Where'd that happen? God's got it. 
and you know, and you see, and you move, and you work, and you facilitate, God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, Thank you, Jesus. God, you're just the most incredible, Father, because you just love us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You know what? What? Soup for everybody. (laughs) It's awesome. It's it's just amazing. I don't even know what to say after that. Tell them. Tell them you love them. It, it, it's obvious you've been out of the here for a while because I know, I know, I know. you're like on fire this I'm feeling morning. It, feeling it, yeah. I don't know if the, and I just want to put for the record he was lost. I had to go look him for him. I was ner- I was concerned. I thought you went under the ice or something. Were you worried about? I, I was. I was planning my. I don't know. Oh, you're planning your life? No, I, I was thinking, God, you, what will I how do? Are you going to spend the life insurance money? No. Oh, okay. No, no, okay. I'm not ready. Okay, good. No, absolutely. I'm not one that wants me or you, God. Okay, good. Uh, praise reports. Charlene is her granddaughter. Uh, Frankie was born last week. So, hallelujah. And we're thankful for small groups. You know, our small groups, this is our last small group week. Communion together. We're doing it. Yeah, and if you're not in a small group, join anyway and have communion with us. Yeah, it's going to be awesome because I guess we're doing it together. You told me that, right? We are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is. um, Email us, text us, leave a voice or prayer request on our screen. But we want to pray with all of you in this room. We love you guys so much. much. And I mean, it's just amazing to have you back here. So this week we have um, Tuesday, our upcoming 7 p.m. We'll be taking communion. So we'd like you to join as we head into our last small group of this season. So um, make sure you are part. Make sure you're there. Uh, we're going to be back in the building next week. Yes. You're going to have register. to register. Yep. We're really hoping to create a seating issue so that we can go to two services. Yeah, we want to do that as soon as we possibly can. Yep. I think we should do we that next week. but <laughs> Nobody turned away. Nobody turned away. No, no. Um, so head on to hcfcormel.ca register so that y'all can be here again next week. I know Karen told me that last week we opened registrations on Sunday and they were full by Sunday night. So make sure you register because yeah. um, we love your beautiful faces. We love you guys. God bless again, you. it's amazing to see y'all here. Have, an Have a week. blessed week. Stay safe. <laughs>